Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip DeBlanc, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals. I know you're looking at this crew saying, really? But yes, we are professionals, and we talk about today's news and issues, but we do from a law enforcement perspective. Let me introduce the crew to you, and, and I, I'm surprised as, as, as you guys, because I wasn't expecting uh, Sergeant Jamie Borden from Critical Incident Review on the show today, uh, but uh, Sergeant Jamie's with us. We also have uh, Danny King. And uh, so, guys, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. It should be a, it should be a good one, especially the, the opening uh, story. Also, a shout out to our sponsors, Motion DSP. We have AUFire.com, GallsGunner.com on Medicare.live, and we're fueled by Bang Energy. Now, I've got a, a, a new Bang. It's a, it's called, uh, it's a Vooze is what it is. The flavor on this thing, um, it's Bliss Kiss. But the Vooze, it's not carbonated. It has no caffeine in it. So some of our some of our friends and family, they have like little heart issues and stuff. This is a great hydration drink because they make it for athletes, but it's safe for, it's safe for you guys with heart issues. So not that I want to drop names, Captain Brett Bartlett, uh, but anyhow, uh, so that's what we have. So a shout out to the bank. Thank you. Also a shout out to Brian Burns for the free press for carrying their content at tampafp.com and Ray Dietrich, redvoicemedia.com. We're streaming the eight locations right now. Three belong to Red Voice Media. They have about a million followers just on those three Facebook pages alone. So thanks to Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media for helping make that happen. All right, guys, we have a, a fantastic lineup. You know, uh, before the show started, I found out uh, that Danny King actually knows the uh, author that wrote this story. Uh, it's Ken Wallentine. He's, a, he's a, a crowd favorite. We cover a lot of things that he writes for Police One. And in this case, he wrote this for Police One. Uh, uh, you know, just a very intelligent guy. I think, uh, Danny, open up your mic. I mean, is he is he retired chief, I think? Is that is that correct? Uh, Ken Wallentine, retired chief, and just a commentator or Jamie? No, he's a currently serving chief in the uh, West Jordan Police Department. He's been in law enforcement for over 40 years. Uh, he's just well, a good he's dude. Still uh, yeah, he's still active. Uh, in fact, um, he retired, and he's such a good guy that uh, as soon as he retired, a bunch of people asked him, hey, would you come and work for us? And so ultimately he did. He's a uh, subject matter expert. All his family is in law enforcement, uh, and uh, those that are not doctors – but he's just one of those humble, good guys that truly cares about the citizens, truly cares about the country and the job. Wow! So I'm I'm looking at a picture of him on the Police One uh, article, and if you threw a little if you threw a little beard on him, he he would look an awful lot like Jamie Borden, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, not only that, he's also been to my house multiple times. Well, who hasn't? Besides me, Jamie, who hasn't been to your house? <laughs> You're it, man. You yeah. are it. You're the only person who has not graced the, the presence of the compound. Yeah, of course, that would require an invite prior to me going there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed either way. So okay. <laughs> It's always so, an open invite. <laughs> so, hey, look, so on this particular um, article here, the, listen to the title. Who controls the rental car? Who controls the rental car? So that immediately, you know, got my mind thinking about this. There's a he starts off citing the case United States versus uh, Montalvo Flores. So officers arrest this guy Christopher Montalvo Flores in a hotel room pursuant to an arrest warrant for a robbery. All right. So Leo's law enforcement officers, you know, listen to the story will relate at least in some way, shape, or form to to this going down. The officers they find car keys during the search warrant to arrest Montalvo Flores. Our bad guy tells the officers that they're his car keys. And the officers had seen our bad guy, who did not have a driver's license, by the way, and his girlfriend driving the car at a different time. So the officers, they find the car in the parking lot. They learned it uh, was a rental car registered to Enterprise Rental Car. So the officers call an Enterprise Regional Risk Man uh, Manager, 
obtained a consent to search the car from Enterprise, explaining that Montalvo Flores was operating the vehicle while involved in criminal activity. Ding, ding, ding. So, because remember, a lot of times we can seize property and vehicles, you know, when that happens. So while searching the vehicle, officers found 304 grams of cocaine in the trunk. Montalvo Flores was charged with possession with intent to distribute cocaine, uh, the possession and the intent to distribute. Those are those should both be felony charges. So he asked the trial court to suppress the cocaine, arguing that he had his girlfriend's permission to lawfully possess and control the car because it was leased to her, not him. The court denied his motion, ruling that Montalvo Flores, our bad guy, failed to establish a reasonable expectation of privacy in the car. So he appeals it. The trial court rules that, quote, there appears to be little evidence that Montalvo Flores exercised dominion and control over the rental car, stating the mere possession of keys to a vehicle is not sufficient, standing alone, to create a reasonable expectation of privacy in a vehicle that is owned by and rented to third parties. Moreover, the court ruled that our bad guy could not have a reasonable expectation of privacy in the car because he didn't even have a driver's license. So, you know, he wouldn't even be able to, to, to rent it, had his not got it from his girlfriend. The appellate court ended up reversing the denial of the bad guy's uh, suppression motion, saying that without question, Montalvo Flores had a subjective expectation of privacy in the rental car. He claimed the keys were his and that he had locked the car. The court then turned the question of whether he had, had objectively reasonable expectation of privacy in the car. The officers knew that the person who rented the car, his uh, girlfriend, I guess, Jennifer Pis- Piscato, uh, was his girlfriend. And possessing his girlfriend's keys, not a stranger's, suggests that he lawfully possessed the car. Moreover, the officers themselves acknowledge that our bad guy possessed and controlled the car. There's another case to talk about, Bird versus the United States. I don't want to get heavy into that, but the Supreme Court held that the lower court's conclusion that Bird had no expectation of privacy because he was an unauthorized driver it rests on too restrictive uh, of a view of the Fourth Amendment. The court sent the case back to the Court of Appeals, so to the lower court, to further consider whether uh, Bird, in this other case, whether Bird would have effectively barred him from renting a car and that he was essentially committing vehicle theft by the way of subterfuge. The possession, I'm sorry, the prosecution had argued that Bird used a straw renter. It's kind of like buying a gun with a you know, straw purchase, right? A straw renter to allow him to take sole control of a rental car that he would have not have been able to rent himself. So, um, so that's what we have, guys. Finally, at the very end of this article, um, Ken Wallentine says that the Bird decision signal lower courts to exercise caution in analyzing whether a person not named in a rental agreement has a standing to contest a search of the car. In Montalvo Flores' case, the court did just that. The lesson of both of this case and the Byrd decision is that officers should always ask any subject who is not named in the contract about their control and authority to operate the car and carefully document evidence of whether any use was authorized as well as the degree to which the subject exercised control over the vehicle. So, yeah, a lot of things to consider. Um, but it's a great article. It comes at a great time. Um, Danny King. So uh, the amount of crime that revolves around rental cars is uh, ridiculous. Or should I, I should say that the amount of crime that takes place in rental cars, uh, especially when it comes to drug trafficking, uh, running arms, things like that. And uh, any cop knows this. Uh, but if if you if you're on the civilian side, the amount of drugs that are trafficked throughout the United States in rental cars is ridiculous. It's almost exclusively rental cars. And here's why. If I let Chip use my car to uh, take eight keys from uh, <laughs> yeah, from <laughs> Vegas to Florida, which would be senseless because nobody traffics dope from Vegas to Florida, um, it, that car can be linked back to me, right? And then they just work up the chain. 
Well, a lot of times you'll have a person who rents the car for a person who hands it off to a third person who then drives it wherever they're driving. Personal vehicles are subject to seizure. Uh, so when you deal with an individual who's in a rental car, oftentimes they'll have no idea who rented that car. And it's pretty important because a lot of times you'll be doing uh, investigations, targeted investigations. You'll stop the driver, talk with them. They'll have no idea who rented that car. Um, and ultimately, you have to know because it's part of your investigative process. So um, I used to seize cars all the time, uh, which is one of the reasons that criminals don't use their own vehicles, uh, because I'll catch you doing auto burglaries. I'll catch you doing whatever you're doing. And when I confirm that you're committing a crime in it, oftentimes the first time I'll warn you in writing. And then uh, the next time I'm just taking that car from you. And it happens all the time. Yeah. And, and to add to this confusion now, and I think Ken's point is, is awesome anytime, um, whether I was on the street as an officer conducting stops, anybody who was in control of that vehicle, in my opinion, as a default, had an expectation of privacy until I could prove it out otherwise. That's the, that's the only way that we can safely navigate the waters now, especially when it comes to a, a stolen vehicle or stolen property like a U-Haul trailer. Now, think about this. A U-Haul trailer is not a vehicle, but when we when an, a, an ALPR catches a plate on a trailer, it comes back as a stolen vehicle. It comes back as stolen property. So when police officers are dealing with this, they're calling it out as a vehicle stop. So all of these components now go into theft of a motor vehicle. Well, now we have who is in control of it. And and one of the cases I'm working right now, which I'm certain will end up in the Supreme Court, is over a stolen trailer uh, from U-Haul that's in a, in a high crime area that they documented with stats from the, cr the criminal activity. And they pulled this vehicle over. And the entire process behind this case is injunctive relief to stop felony car stops when uh, when a when stolen property or a stolen vehicle is in play because they're calling it only a stolen vehicle well you look at the stats on this one in four of these stolen vehicles is taken by force by criminals who are committing other violent crimes tra transferring drugs all the things danny just talked about but we're supposed to as police officers now subjugate ourselves subject ourselves to dangers on that fine line that divides a high-risk traffic stop where we know there's stolen property in play and an unknown risk traffic stop where we just have to be cautious so we're what we're doing is blurring the lines between officer safety and in turn the safety of those subjects involved in that case wow you know when i work for tampa if someone stole, well, if someone had a rental car and they went to a dope hole and they traded it for drugs, rental car company wanted back, wanted the reported stolen, we wouldn't do that. But the sheriff's office would. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy. But hey, it's time for our first commercial break, guys. So stick with us more to come. We'll be right back. You know, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for the robust speed of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software, it's easy to use requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automating tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters to achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. Now, Spotlight is built specifically for redaction, designed to work with video from any camera source, and using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, and it saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction. 
and forensic enhancement software that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using patented super resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can actually get forensically valid evidence from just low-quality video in just minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products and all these capabilities by simply going to motiondsp.com. Again, that's motiondsp.com. Now, hey, guys, let's talk about AUFIRE at aufire.com. It stands for Accuracy Under Fire. Now agencies can prepare their LEOs for the mental challenges associated with being wounded on duty, forcing them to adapt, problem-solve, refocus, and overcome to effectively neutralize the threat. AUFIRE.com has the only option to safely prepare LEOs for instant, intense, random, and distracting immobilization of a body part associated with a debilitating wound. AUFIRE.com. Check out the videos. AUFIRE.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So um, if, if I don't know if, if we exhausted the Ken Wallentine article on the, on the car. It was just a fantastic uh, piece. So uh, hopefully our, our leaders are paying attention. Jamie? Yeah, I, I just uh, I need to add in about Ken Wallentine, just so everybody knows where his expertise is coming from. He's been on every side of the fence, and uh, he's been an attorney general, he's been a sheriff, he's been a chief, pol- a chief of police. I'm not sure about the sheriff, but he's been involved in every aspect of law enforcement, and I've, I've been a follower of his for decades. And uh, anything that he writes, just like you said, is worthy of reading. So the listenership should seek him out on, on his knowledge because he's got it for sure. Yeah, I, I just don't know how he has the time. I mean, I read his article, and they're so well-researched and so in-depth. I mean, this is not surface stuff, guys. Um, I encourage you guys to read. You know, this is taken from Police One. We always list the sources for the stories. And then, of course, you know, our live show is Monday through Friday, 12 to 1 o'clock during lunch hour on Eastern Time. But we take this live show and we'll uh, produce it post-production. And it comes out the next day uh, at 9 o'clock in the morning on Rumble. And we'll include the videos we talk about. And we put in links to all the stories and all the titles of all the stories. So it makes for a great way to watch the show. But you'll have a link to this article as well uh, tomorrow at 9 o'clock on our Rumble channel. But, yeah, I encourage you guys to read this stuff. It, it is really great stuff. It leaves you just wondering how in the world does this guy have the time to, to, to write? The, to, I mean, it's got to be hours worth of work for, for every article that he writes. It is. And remember, he's an attorney, too. So he's, I mean, he's got the background and the Juris Doctorate to back all of his, you know, he knows exactly where to go with this. He's an expert, so he's working in these cases. He's up to his ears and the expertise of all of this stuff, both from a legal and a law enforcement perspective. So, you know, people watching the show don't think that that we don't vet information and sources that we use. I, I have dropped, I can think of two sources off the top of the bat that I absolutely do not use anymore. I've got caught with my pants down more than once using certain sources and once that happens, I see the look on your face, Danny, when I, that's probably the, the, the wrong word picture to use, but, uh, but, uh, I, for Danny, I, I, it is, yeah, I, I have, I have dropped sources just because, you know, we need people that accurately, uh, you know, talk about the news without, I mean, everybody's going to have a little bit of a flare here and there or, or lean one way or the, as long as it's not too bad, you know, uh, we'll keep using them, but it's got to be. Uh, objectively reasonable you know that that's a, a term that every law enforcement officer should be able to appreciate and, and we just want to make sure this accurate stuff that we're giving you guys we'll we'll give it to you from a law enforcement perspective we're uh we're we're biased in that way but that's why the people watch the show they want to hear it from a law enforcement perspective so um so that said guys let's jump into our next one here we're um eventually going to get to some stories of a video component but on this one we're at lawofficer.com charges filed against an officer who shot resisting man at close range. 
Police were called to a Chevron gas station in Las Cruces after a store clerk accused a man of stealing a beer. I don't want you reaching for anything, man. I'm not reaching for anything. I'm not reaching for anything. Hey, step out. The man stopped as Presley Aze. A few moments later, after police get him out of the vehicle, Aze and one of the officers fall to the ground. Stop it. Stop it. This video taken from someone at the gas station that day shows Aze on top of one of the officers as another is trying to grab him. According to a criminal complaint, Aze was trying to grab one of the officer's tasers. But then... Guys, we, we're going to, I'll tell you now, we're going to spend a little bit of time on this. I'm glad, I, I think Jamie and I ended up talking about this last night. I was so bothered uh, when I read this, when I read this. Um, and I, there's a, um, a video component to this as well. It just, it just, it, it, it tore me up when I see injustice and I know I'm, I'm talking for myself. I, I can guarantee these other guys feel the same way when they see injustices, but the article goes on, goes to say that in a cell phone video, there's two officers wrestling with a black man outside a gas station, in Las Cruces, uh, New Mexico. So one of the officers loses his taser during the fight. So the man's hand, our bad guy's hand grabs it as he tries to hold himself up. So the other officer pulls out his gun, puts it to the back of the bad guy's head, and he pulls the trigger, killing him instantly. Now, I'm going to go over the body positions, what's going on, so you guys don't get get confused, but um, I think this is a justified shoot all day long. And this is what um, David D. Gressling, guys, like get, getting up close and personal and stuff, I, I think the cop did what he, what he needed to do. Uh, but the man, 36-year-old Presley, uh, easy. That's easy. E had been accused of stealing a beer. Okay. I, you know, starting off, let, let granted misdemeanor shoplift or whatever. It may have started off that way, but that's not the way it ends. That's not the only offense that was committed, but they're making it sound like it was just a stealing a beer thing. Not so now more than a year later, Las Cruces police department officer, Brad Lunsford has been criminally charged for his action. So officer Lunsford, he's 38 years old, faces one count of voluntary manslaughter with a firearm enhancement. In the August 2nd, 2022, just over a year ago, killing of Easy. He was reportedly booked into custody and released from the Donna Anna County Detention Center. Wow. Uh, so New Mexico Attorney General Raul Torres, whose office filed the charges, said that Officer Lunsford, quote, committed a real unnecessary escalation of force and violence, unquote, by shooting Easy as he held onto a fellow officer's taser. Here's another quote saying that this was a tragedy that never should have happened. It should never have happened. This is what he's saying during the news conference on Tuesday. And I want everyone to understand that when Easy, our bad guy, because he was a bad guy, lost his life on the pavement outside of that gas station, the original call that came out was for petty theft. Yeah. So let's forget about the battery and the police resisting arrest, and, and you'll find out more stuff later. Attorney Lewis Robles, who's representing the city of Las Cruces, said that Officer Lunsford was on duty until Tuesday, but has since been put on paid administrative leave um, as the charges were filed. Attorney Robles also said that he's representing Officer Lunsford in a civil lawsuit brought by easy surviving family. And uh, he said that the officer's actions were reasonable. He said that easy or bad guy tried to take the officer's gun, not, not taser gun before he grabbed the taser. <laughs> so how many felonies have I, have I, is this bad guy committed now? Uh, Attorney Robles said that he's concerned that criminal charges were filed against Lunsford because multi-agency, Multi-agency task force finishes investigation into the shooting more than a year ago. So uh, it, it goes on. It says attorney uh, Shannon Kennedy, remember that name, who is the representing Easy's uh, family, the bad guy's family, called the reason for the delay such 
I'm going to just say BS, and, and I can't say what she said on the air. Uh, this attorney that's representing the family, Shannon L. Kennedy with the Kennedy Law Firm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They also have an office in Santa Fe. Uh, their phone number is 505-244-1400 if anyone wants to contact them for representation or whether you don't. 505-244-1400. Uh, the day of the shooting, Las Cruces officers responded around 420 in the afternoon to a Chevron gas station after an employee reported a beer theft. The employee said a man later identified as Easy took a beer and was drinking at the gas pump. Officer Lunsford, first guy to get there, approaches Easy, who's in the vehicle, and he tells the officer that he did not steal the beer. So how often do we hear that? Officer Keegan uh, Abagos, he arrives to back up Officer Lunsford, and he told Abagos that he's going to detain Easy, who had reportedly misidentified himself. So Lunsford tells the other officer that he's going to detain our bad guy. Now stick with us, guys. This is about to get extremely, extremely interesting. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, guys. Hey, it's time to talk about Gauls. And it's really the new Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and fly slides to duty boots and tactical gear. And as our panelist, Captain Brett Bartlett, always says, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So if you haven't checked out the new Gauls, uh, check them out at Gauls.com slash leo they really they really have everything that goes on your duty belt including the duty belt it, it's just it's just crazy and they have great deals and specials throughout the week as well now notice i said uniform and clothing guys you know my former agency tampa police department we went through a couple of uniform companies while i was there and they simply were just dropping the ball and not getting it done now on the second floor lobby of the tampa police department there is a gulls uniform office they're taking care of a uni uniform program and they are absolutely killing it so Check out Gauls.com slash Leo, especially if you need a, a killer uniform program, Gauls.com slash Leo. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So we're talking about this case where a cop gets jammed up. It's absolutely killing me reading this story yesterday. So Officer Lunsford, he's our cop that got jammed up. He's uh, got a report of a guy, bad guy, stealing beer out of a uh, Chevron gas station. I think it was. He's in the parking lot. They stop the guy. He's in his car. Uh, backup arrives. Lunsford tells the backup officer that he's going to go in and detain Easy or bad guy who had been misidentifying himself. He was giving fake names to the to Lunsford. Um, so look, this is a bona fide bad guy. Any way you look at it, so he stole the beer that, that he lied. He said he didn't he didn't steal uh, allegedly. Uh, he's uh, given fake names. Now both officers they pull him out of the vehicle as he's asking them why he's being detained, and a scuffle ensues. So remember, if it's a cop giving you an order in the lawful performance of his dirty duty. Uh, you, dirty, dirty duty. <laughs> no, I know. I just say that because I, I watch these guys' faces, and if I screw up like that, Danny's the first one to let the, the facial expression go, you know? Freudian yeah. slip. So, yeah, if they're in the lawful performance of their duty, you know, you have to obey. It's a lawful command. So the three guys, two cops and the bad guy, fall to the ground. But easy, our bad guy, is on top of Officer uh, Arbogast, the backup cop. So backup cops on the ground, I think he was proned out, and he had had a... Uh, taser in his hand 
and uh, the bad guy's on top of him, facing him. And then Lunsford is the second cop that's on top of the bad guy. Um, so it's like a sandwich, right, with the bad guy in the middle. Um, and so they're fighting. So in the cell phone video taken by bystander, our backup cop that's on the bottom of the taser, he can be seen on the ground before Easy grabs the taser that the cop dropped. The Easy, our bad guy, grabs it with his left hand and moves it to his right hand, which tells me that he's getting ready to use it. Officer Lunsford, the guy on the top, can be seen punching the bad guy in the face before pulling out his gun. He puts it to our bad guy's head, pulls the trigger. All right. At no point in the video is easy or bad guy seen aiming the taser at the officers or trying to discharge it. Not that that matters, I don't think, but they put that in the article. Agent said that Officer Lunsford, the one that pulled the trigger, had less lethal options. He had a taser and he had a baton on his belt that he could have used instead of shooting the bad guy. So on September 29th, agents with the Attorney General's office shared the video with a retired Illinois police chief who serves as an expert in applying constitutional standards, state law, policy, and practice to police and jail incidents. I so tried to find out who this guy was, and I couldn't. The retired chief, according to the complaint, said the initial investigation into the shoplifting could have been more thorough because uh, Lunsford, our cop that shot the bad guy, moved to detain Easy, who had not, not shown any signs that he was violent or a threat to the officers. Agents said that the chief observed the taser in our bad guy's hand, but said that uh, he was using the arm to hold himself up and the taser wasn't pointed at the police. The chief also said that there were multiple options of less lethal force available and that our cop that shot the bad guy, his actions were, quote, not justified due to the circumstances unjustified. I think someone needs to educate our, um, our retired chief about action and reaction. Um, so anyhow, that's what we have. Uh, I really, the story bothers me, but I, I know I've got the experts on the show. Um, so guys, I, I'd love to hear you guys weigh in and, uh, and talk a little bit more about this if there's anything you, get, you can add. Danny King. All right. Sure. So let's let's go back to 1963 in Ohio. Um, a police officer who's working the beat uh, sees some guys acting suspicious outside of a uh, Pan Am office, uh, like an airline office, uh, thinks that they're getting ready to rob it. This guy's been on the beat for like 30 years, walks up to him um, and detains them. Ultimately, he uses just a minor amount of force, just spinning someone around, pats him down, finds a gun. So out of that came a law says... Uh, that says police officers, if they believe that someone has will um, or is committing a crime, can detain that person. So as we roll up to this convenience store, if they hear uh, the officers are dispatched, believe that he may have stolen something, depending on a variety of factors, they can temporarily detain this person. But more importantly, they can use force to detain that person to confirm or dispel the crime is actually occurring. So they have information reliable information that he has committed a petty larceny. They, uh, they go to stop him and ultimately there's a struggle that ensues. Uh, during that struggle, obviously we see that, um, and I can't see from the video, but it is a fight. It is a knockdown drag out fight in which, um, anytime you are reviewing a case, uh, unless you've been there, you can't truly understand that this is what we call a no person. No matter what happens, this person is not going to go into custody. And you have to think of this almost as a fight to the death. Now, it, it, it it's not quite that simple, but you understand that when you're fighting a person like this, this person is not giving up. He will not give up. And something extreme is going to happen. And the longer that fight goes on, the more extreme it gets and the more extreme the possibilities are. And so ultimately, um, 
you can hear the cop just prior to uh, the gunshots being fired. You can hear him saying he's grabbing my taser, which is, again, very common. Most people don't fight the cops um, to hurt them. A lot of times they'll fight the cops to get away. Well, this guy's grabbing onto things, and that's completely different. If you've ever had someone grabbing onto your gun belt, um, that is a whole new level of red alert. Things are going down. And so to hear that officer verbalize that he's grabbing onto something, um, you know, I think this is a, a logical outcome, unfortunately. I wish I had more details. I have my suspicions as to who that chief is. Um, but I would freely admit that the facts matter. 100% the facts matter. Jamie? So <clears throat> a couple of, of really good points that kept coming up in uh, when Chip was reading this article is that the video didn't show the subject pointing the taser at the officers. I don't care what the video shows. What I care is what the officers knew at the moment. They don't have the perspective of the bystander cell phone video. And, and I always come back to the analytical aspect of what the video shows, what the narrative is, because this narrative is loaded with what we call counterfactual reasoning based on what the video shows. Two problems with that. First, the video doesn't show what the officers saw. Remember, they're in the fight. They're in what they believe to be a fight for their life at that point. He's already grabbed for their weapon, not the taser, the handgun. And I heard that in the rendition from Chip. Then he then grabs the taser. Things are not going well. There's two things happening in that fight. The officers are struggling to get control, and they're also rapidly losing the ability to maintain the fight. So the longer that it goes on, just like Danny said, the, the longer that fight goes on, the less chance they've got of a successful outcome for survival for themselves because like danny said that this is at this point a fight for the officer's life they use deadly force because they believe deadly force was justified they believed it was justified based on what they knew in the moment not what the video shows after the fact and regardless of what that narrative is chip the video shows a fight the video shows him grabbing for a, 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 a taser. The video shows a non-stop, non-compliant to a level of combativity that the officers are dealing with. So what does the video actually show? Not what you think it shows and not what you think the officer should have, could have, or would have known based on the outcome of this thing. Remember what happens when, when there's no intervention. The, the video that you showed yesterday of the, the suspect, them running across the freeway into a Denny's parking lot, into a Denny's, fully armed and ready to take hostages, that is a perfect example of, an, of a, what would normally be an incomplete hypothetical where officers did not intervene in time that could have turned out to be tragic for the public, right? So now we've got this intervention happening. We've got officers that are getting exhausted, and we have ultimately a use of deadly force. There's a lot that needs to be analyzed in this, and in in, in retrospect, sure, we can look at the should have, would have, could have in this thing, but it doesn't mean that the facts are different than what the officers experienced in that moment. And one thing I'll drag you back to that both myself and Danny have talked about is that those officers did what made sense to them in the moment. And, and remember, a human being will always do 
what makes sense to them, especially where the consequences are life and death and the, the, the decisions are made under the constraints of time. Now, whether it makes sense to the viewer on the outside is completely irrelevant. That's where the analysis comes in. So uh, again, it, it's tragic to hear that an officer was charged with a crime when they have the right they have the training, the right, and the expectation to protect themselves under these conditions. And now they're being criminally charged because the subject stole the beer. That's not why that suspect got shot. The suspect got shot because he's attacking officers and attempting to get a weapon. He's attempting to get the taser. He's attempting to all these different things that are happening, and the officers are fatigued, and they end up using deadly force in a situation that made sense to them in that moment. You know, the um, the the AG for the state of New Mexico um, was the Bernalillo County District Attorney. And, um, you know, I, I hate to get involved in the politics, but he was a Soros-funded DA. Um, the George Soros uh, Foundation funded him to the tune of $100,000. Um, and you see this all the time with Soros-funded DAs. Well, guys, good uh, good perspective. You know, um, we're going to come back to this and wrap it up, and then we're going to get to a couple of stories of a video component. But, hey, commercial break. We'll be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, though, they've taken the confusion out of learning, and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offers a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like our Captain Brett Bartlett. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy. And their training is approved by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all batches of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar. And you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. GunLearn.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, guys, I'm just glad that we don't have two dead cops, and I'm glad that our, our bad guy is not living another day to do this kind of stuff to other people and to jeopardize more lives. So, uh, um, so wow. And, uh, and the people that are prosecuting him and defending uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the suit for the family, it just, it just bothers me. But I, I know there's a, I know that there's not a lot of, there's, there's not love and, and, and all the places on this world, there's a lot of bad people out there. Um, even if they're not the bad guys involved in it, the people that are like prosecuting and representing the families of the bad guys. But, um, Danny, final words on this. Yeah. The, uh, attorney who is, um, representing the officer, uh, I, I won't get into it, but, uh, Jamie and I have some experience um, working in a high-profile case in New Mexico many years ago. Um, that same attorney is the one who's uh, handling this officer's defense, so I think he's in pretty good hands. Yeah. Now, the only thing, I mean, I, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because if I remember correctly, the same attorney is representing both the department and our and, and our, our our cop. Which, so I I'm not anyhow. I, there are concerns I have with that because, you know, of course, where I'm going with this is that attorneys that are that are their paychecks coming from the city or the county or the entity or whatever the agency, they're going to look out for that agency. Normally, that's going to be their priority. 
And sometimes sure. cops are thrown to the wolves because, you know, the agency is being looked out, you know, by the attorney. So I kind of wish he had union appointed attorney or private attorney or something in this case. Um, and so I'm hoping that doesn't come into play here. Well, I'm hoping so, too. But I will tell you that uh, Lewis uh, has experience extensively working for unions, specifically with use of force. All right. Yeah, there's a, he, he's got he's got a great track record. And like Danny said, we've had some experience with him in the past. And I think you can put all your worries to rest. All right. Well, good, good. Now I just need to find out who that retired chief is that's given the bad advice, you know, uh, to the prosecution. But that's that's a story uh, another another day and maybe yeah. off camera. Yeah. Don't don't. Yeah. Don't give him more uh, energy than he requires or deserves. <laughs> All right, so uh, so moving along here, guys. Let's see. We've got it's hard to find a good news story without a video component. So on Rumble.com, our favorite law enforcement video channel called This Is Butter, uh, who's on the stream conversing with us now, we have a Lakeville police. They released a body cam where 45 year old Timothy Hadlick he pulls a gun towards officers. Six three shots fired. Drop the gun! Six three shots fired. Start a picking street. So uh, Lakeland Police Department releases body-worn camera footage of police shoot at a suspect last week. So the video shows an officer who's at an intersection where a 45-year-old named Timothy Hadlick uh, can be seen in his SUV, and he's holding a gun. The officer repeatedly yells for the bad guy to drop the gun and put his hands up. Uh, but our bad guy uh, can then be seen coming out from behind his SUV with a gun in his hand. Now, what it doesn't say is that our officer, when this is going on, retreats and is running in circles around his patrol car, using it as a barrier to try to stay away from the bad guy. And, uh, you know, I, personally, I hate to see that because we've seen videos where, you know, you're not, you don't have a 360 degree field of vision. So, you know, it's so easy for the officer to fall down in, in the back end of something. And, and then they get, you know, then they get seriously injured or killed instead of, you know, just sh shooting the bad guy. But, but I, but anyhow, the story goes on. Uh, Hadlick is seen raising his weapon towards the officer. Um, I'm sorry. When the I'm sorry, he raises his weapon when the officer begins shooting. Hadley can be seen moving back behind the SUV before the officer investigates further. Police said that the uh, September 29th that the Lakeville officer was parked in the area when another car pulls up by the officer during the exchange. Hadley, our bad guy, allegedly used threatening language and then took an offensive stance and raises his gun. And that's when the Lakeville officer and an off-duty Massachusetts State Police trooper they both fired at the bad guy. Hadley was arraigned from his hospital bed. Uh, they said he's been held there without bail on Monday, uh, but I read on the video um, it said that he's actually was you know booked in the jail. So so he survived the shooting. Any uh, any commentary on that, gentlemen? I'll tell you, it's truly heartbreaking. If you listen to the officer's um, voice, the pitch, the changes, oh, yeah. um, the, the breathing, like. Yeah, it's it's sad because I was involved in a, uh, a suicide by cop. I've been involved in many suicide by cop incidents, but uh, a guy tried to kill me and my friends on in uh, 2011 over it. And, and people in this circumstance put officers in a position in which they intentionally engage in dangerous, violent behavior for the express purpose of having that law enforcement officer kill them. Um, 
on, on one side, my heart goes out to the officer. I mean, my heart goes out to the, the guy with the gun uh, because he feels he's in a position where that's necessary. Uh, but he's putting a, a law enforcement officer who doesn't want to be in that position in the position to shoot him. And you can tell that the officer truly doesn't want that. Uh, fortunately, looking at it purely from a hindsight and logical perspective, um, the officer's really, really risking his life. You know, the guy who robbed the pharmacy in my incident uh, actually shot at us. He could have just pointed the gun at us uh, and not knowing all the details. Um, you know, we believe that we were going to die. And when he finally pulled the uh, car over in the shopping center, he started shooting at us. Um, so just because someone wants to be killed by law enforcement doesn't mean that they're not willing to kill law enforcement. Um, it's just sad all the way around. Good point. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's uh, just because someone's suicidal is certainly doesn't take the homicidal aspect out of it. And um, that case that Danny was involved in is a great example. Um, what, and again, now coming from a, an analytical standpoint, another thing to consider is, you know, a lot of the law enforcement scrutiny, it talks about the number of rounds fired and whether or not you know, that was excessive use of force in terms of simply how many rounds were fired. A number of rounds were fired at this guy, and he was obviously hit. Um, but it's important for people to remember that just because an officer employs deadly force doesn't mean that that deadly force is going to be effective as such. And so we have individuals that are saying officers are using excessive force because they've fired too many rounds at a suspect. There are suspects that have been hit with seven fatal rounds. I have videos, multiple videos of seven plus rounds being fired at individuals who are posing a deadly threat to officers. And those seven fatal rounds were ineffective at stopping the subject's forward attack on the officers. In one case, the subject actually goes down, uh, is bleeding, drops the knife, stands up, disarms another officer after being shot fatally seven times, disarms another officer, placing a secondary officer in the position of having to take a headshot at, at a, a, you know, a fairly close distance, but it still puts the officers in an, in an incredibly uh, traumatic position to have to use deadly force on these subjects. So it, it, is, it is a tragedy. And, um, and again, it's the officers are risking their lives um, to, because somebody's having a bad day in general. You know, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Well, gentlemen, thank you. You know, we've got a couple minutes here. So, you know, we don't have a lot of time. So what I want to do, I want to cover on Leo Affairs, a crazed driver attacks a scooter rider with a machete <laughs> near the Miami airport. It, it, it's a quick it's a quick cover. Uh, the video is only 11 seconds long. And again, we'll have it. Um, it'll appear on our Rumble channel um, tomorrow at, uh, at um, 9 o'clock in the morning. But a man is taken into custody after road rage attack in Miami Springs. Confrontation happened on Friday. Uh, according to police, Luis Ruiz Herrera confronts a guy on a scooter. When Herrera gets out of his vehicle with a machete in his hand, the guy in the scooter gets off the bike and begins retreating. Herrera swings the machete. It looked like it was hit the side, but it ended up you know, slicing the guy's cheek. Uh, he then gets back in his car and drives off. Another driver captures what happened on camera. Detectives have obtained Herrera's information from the license plate. and uh, He's later identified by the injured man uh, when he's shown the video. And uh, investigators find Herrera at his home, admits to the attack, Tells him the guy verbally disrespected his mother. <laughs> Don't disrespect people's <laughs> mothers. Herrera's arrested. Police seize the machete. He's been charged with aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. Uh, 49 seconds, guys. 
your mama. Um, <laughs> that was good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so that's a, um, a a classic example. And road rage is a real thing. And and I've you know I've been the victim of road rage. And um, we've talked oftentimes before the show and and in our debriefs about the FAFO. Uh, scale, you know, and um, the F around and find out. That's a, that's a, uh, a a really dangerous scenario. And and when you look at the video again, it looks like the guy gets slapped with the blade, and it turns out it it you know cuts him across the face. Could have easily been his throat. Um, but yeah, scary scenario. And and I would I would tell everyone, don't get involved in road rage. It's a lane change for crying out loud. Let it be because you don't know the kind of crazy that you're dealing with when it turns into a road rage, a road rage situation like that. Totally agree. You're absolutely right. Well, guys, great show. Thanks, both of you guys, for being here. Um, appreciate it. Uh, I, I, this time, I usually talk about the Wounded Blue. The WoundedBlue.org is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, 501c3, helping cubs out in the world of herd, suffering from, guys suffering from PTSD and other medical issues that, that aren't covered by their agency, or maybe they're not even offered a disability retirement out like a lot of uh, other cops are at other agencies. So the Wounded Blue at thewoundedblue.org. Check them out. It's a it's a great 501c3 to get involved with, or maybe even the volunteer ad if you've uh, uh, previously suffered from PTSD. Um, a shout-out to our sponsors, Motion DSP, AUFire.com, GallsGunlearn.com, on Medicare.live, and Bang Energy. Thanks for the fuel. Uh, Brian Burns with the free press at TampaFP.com and Ray Dietrich, GreatVoiceMedia.com. Thanks for the support. I uh, hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe rest of your week, but hopefully we'll see you guys tomorrow at 12 noon.